0: Part sixteen of Anne Severn and the Fieldings by May claire This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part sixteen: Anne, Maisie, and Gerald. Chapter one. Gerald waited, and Maisie got her truth in first. It was on the Wednesday, a fine, bright day in September and Gerald was to have driven Maisie and Anne over to Oxford in the car. And ten minutes before starting, Maisie had declared herself too tired to go. Anne wouldn't go without her, and Gerald, rather sulky, had set off by himself. He couldn't understand Maisie's sudden fits of fatigue when there was nothing the matter with her. He thought her capricious and hysterical. She was acquiring his mother's perverse habit of upsetting your engagements at the last moment and lately she had been particularly tiresome about motoring. Either they were going too fast or too far, or the wind was too strong, and he would have to turn back or hold himself in and go slowly. And the next time she would refuse to go at all for fear of spoiling their pleasure. She liked it better when Anne drove her. And today Gerald was annoyed with Maisie because of Anne. If it hadn't been for Maisie, Anne would have been with him, enjoying a day's holiday for once really maisie might have thought of anne and anne's pleasure it wasn't like her not to think of other people yet he owned that she hadn't wanted anne to stay with her he could hear her pathetic voice imploring anne to go because jerry won't like it if you don't also he knew that if anne was determined not to do a thing nothing you could say would make her do it he had had time to think about it as he sat in the lounge of the hotel at oxford waiting for the friends who were to lunch with him and suddenly his annoyance had turned to pity it was no wonder if maisie was hysterical his life with her was all wrong all horribly unnatural she ought to have had children or he ought never to have married her it had been all wrong from the beginning perhaps she had been aware that there was something missing perhaps not maisie had seemed always singularly unaware that was because she didn't care for him perhaps if he had loved her passionately she would have cared more perhaps not maisie was incurably cold she shrank from the slightest gesture of approach she was afraid of any emotion she was one of those unhappy women who are born with an aversion from warm contacts who cannot give themselves what puzzled him was the union of such a temperament with maisie's sweetness and her charm he had noticed that other men adored her he knew that if it had not been for anne he might have adored her too and again he wondered whether it would have made any difference to maisie if he had he thought not she was happy as it was in her gentle unexcited way happy and at peace giving happiness and peace if peace were what you wanted it was that happiness and peace of maisie's that had drawn him to her when he gave anne up three years ago and again he couldn't understand this combination of hysteria and perfect peace he couldn't understand maisie perhaps after all she had got what she had wanted she wouldn't have been happy and at peace if she had been married to some brute who would have had no pity who would have insisted on his rights some faithful brute or some brute no more faithful to her than he who had been faithful only to anne as he thought of anne darkness came down over his brain his mind struggled through it looking for the light the entrance of his friends cut short his struggling chapter two maisie lay on the couch in the library and anne sat with her maisie's eyes had been closed but now they had opened and anne saw them looking at her and smiling you are a darling anne but i wish you'd gone with Gerald. i don't i wouldn't have liked it a bit he would though not when he thought of you left here all by yourself maisie smiled again jerry doesn't think thank goodness why thank goodness because i don't want him to i don't want him to see to see what why that i can't do things like other people maisie why can't you you used to Gerald's told me how you used to rush about dancing and golfing and playing tennis why did he say anything only that you took a lot of exercise and he thinks it's awfully bad for you knocking it all off now dear old jerry of course he must think it frightfully stupid but i can't help it anne I can't do things now like I used to do. I've got to be careful. But why? Because there's something wrong with my heart. Jerry doesn't know it. I don't want him to know. You don't mean seriously wrong? Well, not very serious, but it hurts. Hurts? Yes, and the pain frightens me. Every time it comes, I think I'm going to die, but I don't die. Oh, Maisie, what sort of pain? A disgusting pain, Anne as if it was full of splintered glass mixed up with bubbling blood cutting and tearing it grabs at you and you choke you feel as if your face would burst you're afraid to breathe for fear it should come again but maisie that's angina it isn't real angina but it's awful all the same oh anne what must the real thing be like have you seen a doctor yes two a man in london and a man in torquay do they say it isn't the real thing yes it's all nerves but it's every bit as bad as if it was real except that i can't die of it poor little maisie i didn't know well, i didn't mean you to know but i had to tell somebody it's so awful being by yourself with it and being frightened and then i'm afraid all the time of Gerald finding out i'm afraid of his seeing me when it comes on but maisie darling he ought to know you ought to tell him no i haven't told my father and mother because they'd tell him luckily it's only come on in the night so that he hasn't seen but it might come on anywhere any minute if i'm excited or anything that's the awful thing anne i'm afraid of getting excited i'm afraid to feel i'm afraid of everything that makes me feel i'm afraid of Gerald's touching me even of his saying something nice to me the least thing makes my silly heart tumble about and if it tumbles too much the pain comes i daren't let Gerald sleep with me yet you haven't told him no i daren't you must tell him maisie i won't he'd mind horribly he'd be frightened and miserable and i can't bear him to be frightened and miserable he's had enough he's been through the war i don't mean that that frightened him but this would you mean to say he doesn't see it oh bless you no he just thinks i'm tiresome and hysterical i'd rather he thought that than see him unhappy nothing in the world matters but Gerald. you see i care for him so frightfully you don't know how awful it is caring like that and yet having to beat him back all the time never to give him anything i daren't let him come near me because of that ghastly fright i know you oughtn't to be afraid of pain but it's a pain that makes you afraid being afraid's all part of it so i can't help it well, of course you can't help it wouldn't mind if it wasn't for jerry i ought never to have married him but maisie i can't understand it you're always so happy and calm how can you be calm and happy with that hanging over you i've got to be calm for fear of it and i'm happy because Gerald's there simply knowing that he's there i can't think what i'd do anne if he wasn't such an angel some men wouldn't be they wouldn't stand it and that makes me care all the more he'll never know how i care you must tell him there it is i daren't even try to tell him i just live in perpetual funk and you're the bravest thing that ever lived oh i've got to cover it up it wouldn't do to show it but i'm glad i've told you she leaned back panting i mustn't talk any more now no rest you won't mind but get a book and read you'll be so bored she shut her eyes anne got a book and tried to read it but the words ran together grey lines tangled on a white page nothing was clear to her but the fact that maisie had told the truth about herself it was the worst thing that had happened yet it was the supreme reproach the ultimate disaster and defeat yet maisie had not told her anything that surprised her this was the certainty that hid behind the defences of their thought the certainty she had foreseen when Gerald told her about maisie's coldness it meant that Gerald couldn't escape and that his punishment would be even worse than hers nothing that maisie could have done would have been more terrible to Gerald than her illness and the way she had hidden it from him the poor darling going in terror of it lying in bed alone night after night shut in with her terror Gerald was utterly vulnerable his belief in maisie's indifference had been his only protection against remorse how was he going to bear maisie's wounding love how would he take the knowledge of it Anne saw what must come of his knowing it would be the end of their happiness after this they would have to give each other up he would never take her in his arms again he would never come to her again in the fields between midnight and dawn they couldn't go on unless they told maisie the truth and they couldn't tell maisie the truth now because the truth would bring the pain back to her poor little heart they could never be straight with her they would have to hide what they had done for ever Maisie had silenced them forever when she got her truth in first. To Anne it was not thinkable either that they should go on being lovers, knowing about Maisie, or that she should keep her knowledge to herself. She would tell Gerald and end it. Chapter 3 She stayed on with Maisie till the evening. Gerald had come back and was walking home with her through the manor fields when she made up her mind that she would tell him now, at the next gate, the next when they came to the belt of firs she would tell him she stopped him there by the fence of the plantation the darkness hid them from each other only their faces and anne's white coat glimmered through wait a minute Gerald. i want to tell you something about maisie he drew himself up abruptly and she felt the sudden start and check of his hurt mind you haven't told her he said no it's something she told me she doesn't want you to know but you've got to know it you think she doesn't care for you and she does she cares awfully but she's ill ill she isn't anne she only thinks she is i know Maisie. you don't know that she gets heart attacks frightful pain gerald pain that terrifies her my god you don't mean she's got angina not the real kind if it was that she'd be dead but pain so bad that she thinks she's dying every time it's what they call false angina that's why she doesn't want you to sleep with her for fear it'll come on and you'll see her through the darkness she could feel the vibration of his shock it came to her in his stillness you said she didn't feel she's afraid to feel because feeling brings it on he spoke at last why on earth couldn't she tell me that because she loves you so awfully the poor darling didn't want you to be unhappy about her Oh, as if that mattered it matters more than anything to her do you really mean she's got that hellish thing who told her what it was some london doctor and a man at torquay i shall take her up to-morrow and make her see a specialist if you do you mustn't let her know i told you or she'll never tell me anything again well, what am i to say say you've been worried about her god knows i ought to have been you're worried about her and you think there's something wrong if she says there isn't you'll say that that's what you want to be sure of look here how do those fellows know it isn't the real thing oh they can tell that by the state of her heart i don't suppose for a moment it's the real thing she wouldn't be alive if it was and you don't die of false angina it's all nerves though it hurts like sin he was silent for a second and she's beaten us we can't tell her now no and we can't go on if we can't be straight about it we've got to give each other up i know we can't go on there's nothing more to be said his voice dropped on her aching heart with a toneless weight of finality we've got to end it now this minute she said don't come any farther let me go to the bottom of the field no i'm not going that way he had come close to her now close as though he would have taken her in his arms for the last night the last time He wanted to touch her to hold her back from the swallowing darkness. But she moved out of his reach and he did not follow her. His passion was ready to flame up if he touched her and he was afraid. They must end it clean without a word or a touch. The grass drive between the firs led to a gate on the hill road that skirted the manor fields. He knew that she would go from him that way because she didn't want to pass by their shelter at the bottom. She couldn't sleep in it tonight. He stood still and watched her go her white coat glimmering in the darkness between the black rows of firs the white gate glimmered at the end of the drive she stood there a moment he saw her slip like a white ghost between the gate and the gatepost he heard the light thud of the wooden latch falling back behind her and she was gone end of part sixteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine